This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And joining me on the phone from Tesla, it is drummer Troy Lucetta, also good friend. Um, Troy, when my daughter was born in 2003, uh, him along with Frankie Benelli, Kevin Dubrow, and another, uh, they sent gifts from uh, Troy. It was a little blue bear that had a I Love New York inscription on it, and we still have that, so that was uh, very, very kind. And of course, last year, when the band was in town with Styx and Joan Jett, the band spent three days hanging out in Montreal, and uh, Troy and I went out and saw George Thorogood together at uh, Place des Arts in Montreal. And then uh, the next night, I guess, uh, June 2nd, right, uh, no, sorry, that was July 1st, July 2nd, we went to the uh, Fufoon Electrique, which means electric ass, Ooh, name of a bar, huh? Uh, to see Sebastian Bach, and let me tell you, it must have easily been 120 degrees in that venue. And then uh, after that, we went over to across the street and had a extended lunch with uh, Sebastian's band, or ex extended supper, I guess, with Sebastian's band, and uh, Todd Zuckerman of uh, Sticks and stuff. Always, always a pleasure. So, so this is going to be my Tesla episode. Probably one of the most under-the-radar bands you will ever meet. You know, you think of Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and there's all kinds of stories and there's controversy and there's there, there's stuff going on. And then you might look at bands like Poison and Quiet Riot and they're in the news for all kinds of stuff. And then Tesla just sort of slides right in there. No controversy, no big announcements, just day after day, year after year, that go-to band that you can uh, absolutely love and trust, and, and, and it's just fantastic. So let's go over to at Mitch LaFawn on Twitter, at Mitch LaFawn on Twitter, and let's start sharing some Tesla stories. So for me, the first time I had any contact with Tesla was when Def Leppard, on June 12th, 1988, you know, they announced a show for, for Montreal at the Forum on that day, and it says, opening up is Tesla. And I look around and I go, well, who the hell's that? So I uh, start watching much music. Uh, I, I would say I listen to radio, but Montreal radio, then and now, awful. Especially Shom FM, awful. Especially back in the day. I mean, you know, Bon Jovi was big and Motley Crue was big, and they were too busy playing the Doobie Brothers. I mean, the hell with them. Anyway, uh, forget Montreal Radio. Um, but I said, okay, I need to know who this band is because I'm not going to go to a show and sit 45 minutes and not know what the heck it is. Now, of course, that was back then. Now I, I sit through bands and I have no idea what they're playing all the time. But I, I go out and I buy Mechanical Resonance and I put it on. And you hear the opening notes of Easy Come easy go and you go oh 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 something going on here and then coming at you live and then getting better and you work your way down to little Susie and love me and before my eyes and you go holy mackerel perfection absolute perfection so the show comes along on June 12th 1988 at the forum and I am completely psyched out and prepared and it was the greatest night of my life 
up until that point, with the exception of seeing Kiss in 1979 on the Dynasty Tour and Kiss at the Palladium in 1980 with Eric Carr's first show. But okay, you get my point. Spectacular. So the band goes on and, you know, the great radio controversy comes out, which we are celebrating 30 years this year. 30 years! I mean, that album is still like, hey, that's a new Tesla album. And it's been 30 years. Anyway, uh, controversy comes out. Motley Crue puts Dr. Feelgood. And, well, guess what? They head out on tour together. And I'm like, oh, wow. And and I have to say, at the time, I loved Motley Crue. And I thought, but, you know, I was a kid. So so having money to, for concert tickets, even though at the time, you know, they were like 10 bucks, was still something. And, and then I saw Tesla's opening up for them. And I went, oh, man. Yeah, I'm in. And so Tesla, with Motley Crue, at the Montreal Forum again, spectacular show. Absolutely spectacular show. And I'm like, yeah, th- this band is is out of this world. One of the greatest bands you'll, you'll ever get, you know. I mean, I, I just don't think they've done anything bad yet. Even the, even the new album, Shock, is, is great. So, anyway... Um, that was that. And then, of course, uh, the grunge era hits and Nirvana and, you know, it's all sort of puke worthy. And um, I'm, I'm at McGill University in 94, 95, and I'm working on Masters of Educational Psychology. And uh, we're on spring break and I head over to San Diego just to get some some heat. And guess what? February 21st, 1995, I'm in San Diego and I'm looking through the local uh, whatever, you know, happening, daily happenings uh, magazine, you know, you know, the free magazines that are, or the free newspapers that all the cities had back then. By the way, do those still exist? <laughs> I don't think they still exist. Any, any of those free magazines anywhere or free newspapers. Anyway, I see that Tesla is playing at a club called the New Bacchanal. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Off I go to the new Bacchanal. Now, here's the thing. I have seen Tesla at the form for Hysteria. I have seen Tesla at the form for the Dr. Feelgood tour. 20,000 screaming fans both nights. And I show up to the new Bacchanal in San Diego in 1995. And it is the tiniest of tiniest clubs. And it wasn't even sold out. And I'm standing literally face-to-face with Jeff Keith. And the band goes ahead and delivers this set list that included Busta Nut songs, Solution, Need Your Lovin', Try So Hard, um, you know, and it was spectacular. But, I, but I'm looking at the stage and I'm going, hey, wait a minute, aren't there five guys in Tesla? Why am I only counting four? Now, you have to remember, in 1995, there was no, well, there was some some sort of internet, but not like it is today. So it was like, well, where, where, where's the other guy? What happened to Tommy? There's no Tommy. So I got to see Tesla in this tiny, tiny club as a four-piece. Now, mind you, it was moving, and it was great, and I have a great memory of it, but they were four. So I, you know, I, I, I end up going back to the hotel and eventually I go back to Montreal and I'm trying to figure out why was Tesla only four? And I'm searching and I'm trying and, and I'm using web crawler and, and 
what was it? Uh, uh, what was that? Netscape? Uh, uh, what was that called? Uh, Explorer? No, it wasn't Explorer. What was that called? Navigator? Net Netscape Navigator? And Lycos and Webcrawler and all those great um, <laughs> web search engines from back in the day. And I can't find any information. And of course, eventually, it might have been in Hit Parade or Metal Edge, it comes out, oh, the band moved forward, Tommy Skioch was uh, sick, and, and of course, back then, there was a lot of PR stuff uh, done in the media. So you, you would cover up, went to rehab, you would cover up, uh, has a drug problem. So I was like, oh, Tommy's sick. Well, that's not good. When is Tommy going to get better? And then, of course... The band after that sort of just disappeared or dis disintegrated. Uh, Jeff Keith goes off and does Bar 7, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that Bar 7 album, go find it. It is a great, great album. Anyway, uh, eventually, you know, years later, we find out that it was um, drug-related and he had to go to rehab and the band where everybody was miserable. And anyway, Fast forward to 2019, we've got Dave Rude in the band. The band sounds great. They're still just sliding in under the radar. You're like, oh, wait, they're here with Def Leppard for 12 dates? Well, okay, then. Uh, you just they, they just sort of show up, and then they put on a great show, and it's spectacular. Anyway, so let, let us get over to my chat with Troy. We, we talk about some of that, and yes, we do talk about Tommy and how he feels about uh, Tommy not being there and so on and so forth. But we also go through the different anniversaries because in 1989, great radio controversy came out or the great radio controversy came out 30 years. And then in 1994, Bust a Nut came out. Well, 25 years. And then in 2004, into the Now came out 15 years and five years ago, Simplicity came out. So it is a it is a year of anniversaries for uh, Tesla. And so we talk about those different albums. And I have this perception, perhaps wrongly, that Bust a Nut is sort of looked looked frowned upon by the band. Now, that's that's my perception. So please, uh, you know. Uh, don't describe that to the band. I, I just, I get a feeling because, you know, you don't see a lot of those songs show up in set lists. And when you, you talk about interviews and stuff, mechanical resonance comes up and great radio controversy comes up and this and that and that. And Busta Nuts seems to be one of those. But when you talk to Tesla fans, tried and true, pure, pure, pure Tesla fans, they love that album. And if you haven't had a chance to check out sort of the Japanese version that has the bonus track being Led Zeppelin's The Ocean, you should, because that band can cover Led Zeppelin like no other. So you should check that out. And anyway, while we are checking stuff out, let's let's do the gratuitous plugs. Check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon. Check out the uh, Facebook page. There is a, my personal one is Mitch Lafon, and then there's Rock Talk Mitch Lafon. Uh, wasn't enough room to include the with, and then, of course, loudtracks.com, loudtracks, T-R-A-X.com, your global merchandiser, um, you know, official merch from Anthrax and Iron Maiden and Marilyn Manson and Judas Priest and all those others. And, uh oh official Mitch merch. You can get a Mitch uh, baseball jersey or a raglan, as they call it. 
and the classic black tee with the design, and I know you've heard this a hundred times, done by Claudio Bergman, who did Judas Priest's Firepower cover. So pick up a tee, support the show, and uh, with that, here is the one, the only, incredible drummer and true friend, Troy Lucetta. We are speaking with uh, Tesla drummer Troy Lucetta. The new album, of course, is Shock. Uh, Troy, always, always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you as well, Mitch. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's going to be a a great summer for for us Canadian fans because you are doing, boy, uh, a dozen shows with. Uh, in fact, you're essentially taking an entire month of July in Canada, going from Halifax over to Calgary's with stops in Montreal and Ottawa and Quebec City. Um, talk to me a little bit about about that tour because if we look back, this has now been. 32 years of sharing bills with Def Leppard. It, you know, last time I think you were here with um, uh, Def Leppard, it was with REO Speedwagon, and then you came back with uh, Sticks last year. But talk to me about being on the road with Def Leppard, and, and what has the band meant to you, and why does this pairing work for 32 years? You know, uh, well, it started, you know, back in 87, uh, 88, we did the Hysteria Tour. Uh, that was about a year and a half deal, uh, all the U.S., Canada, and the States. So that was a nice long run, which kind of, you know, um, you know, gave us a real leg up on things, so to speak. I mean, because it was, you know, obviously Hysteria was so huge, everything was sold out. Um, and then, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, we went out with them in the States. We, we got over to Canada, Canada for a few shows here and there. And, um, I, you know, I figured I, I was really surprised, uh, that we would end up back doing Canada with them, which we're so excited to be doing, of course. Uh, and I guess, you know, since we haven't done Canada, a real proper tour through Canada quite some time, I mean, there's no better way that, to do it than with Def Leppard. And the fact that they would, uh, you know, take us uh, out with them is just phenomenal. It's great. You know, we're just very blessed. You know, they've been, yeah, we have relationships and friendships, you know, but bottom line, it's the business, you know, it's got to work. And it has worked, and I think that's maybe why they brought us back. You know, it really is. So we've—I don't think we've ever explored this. But how did you get to be on the Hysteria tour? Because you know, the band had done Pyromania. There was a four-year wait. There was a big excitement about Def Leppard coming back, and of course, it was as huge as everybody predicted. But Tesla, on the other hand, you were rookies. Nobody really knew who you were. So how did sort of the rookie band meet up with the the band that was, and pardon the pun, but in full hysteria, you know, where fans just really wanted, was that just a manager? Was it a personal thing? Was it random luck? How, how did you well, get on I that mean, tour? It was kind of a combination of things. I mean, with all the planets lining up, so to speak, uh, it started Tesla was doing our own headlining tour in Europe and Rick Allen and uh, Steve Clark and Phil Collin came out and hung out with us 
uh, I forget where it was in Amsterdam. Was it, is there a club called the Paradiso or something like that? There is. Uh, in Amsterdam. There's, there's yeah, some great there's some great bootlegs from the Paradiso of different bands floating around over the years. So it was that club. They had come down. Uh, that's the first time we met them, you know. Uh, we shared the same management. And the next thing I know, you know, uh, I think it just went so well that we all hit it off so well together that, you know, they invited us onto the tour. Uh, and being we were under the same management company, obviously that made sense, you know. Uh, and that just kind of started, kind of kicked it off, you know. And it, and it, it it's been going on for thirty two years. So then, just talk to me about, for, yeah. and, then, and then we'll yeah. we'll get on to we'll get on to shock, but in a minute here. But you're again, you're you're this rookie band, and when you're opening up for a major headliner, you know that we hear the stories. They cut the lights, they cut the stage, they cut the set times, they do this, they do all this nonsense. And the fact that you're still doing this for thirty two years or thirty two years later with the shows to me that they must have treated you nice. Because had they been, well, how can I say this without a swear word? Uh, had they been not nice, let's just put it that way, I doubt you would have come back for no, more so. They've, they've never not been nice. They've always treated us, you know, really amazing. And, you know, they've always giving us a lot of room on the stage when we did the Asteria tour you gotta remember that was in the round we had the full stage we were the first ones to play that stage <laughs> live you know uh, and because we were the opening band so but I mean we had a we had full use of that in the round stage in our own little setup you know it was very very cool and over the years you know every time we've worked with them they've always given us a lot of real estate so to speak uh, and when we come through, you know, Canada, you know, in July and, and part of August, you know, you'll, you'll see they, um, it's just the two bands and so we're going to get an hour. So that's going to be nice. And uh, we got a little small production with us, you know, we carry a little video and they're always good with the lighting and yeah, man, it's, it's been just very family oriented, you know, over the years and it's just stuck, you know. Which which is great. So well, let let us get on then to to shock because the Def Leppard connection continues. Phil Collin produces it. Talk to me about having him produce it because Phil is, you know, and I don't mean this to be disparaging, but he's the guitarist in Def Leppard. He's not a producer like a Rick Rubin or a Bob Ezrin. Or uh, talk to me about having him come in and. Why was that sort of refreshing to have a musician's perspective rather than sort of a producer's producer's perspective? Well, first of all, um, I think he's, um, he definitely wore the producer hat very, very well. Um, the thing about Phil is, you know, he has all those muttling years behind him. He understands how that works. He understands how songs work, melody, you know, not wasting um, you know, arrangements. Uh, and he brought all that to the table with co-writing the record with the band. I mean, we just, when it, when it, when we had a conversation, we had a conference call with him and he was into doing this. Um, and I, 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 I'm not even sure whose idea it was. Um, but 
nevertheless, I mean, he took on a huge responsibility. There's a lot of work making a Tesla record. And we had to write the record and put the record together. And, you know, and on all his breaks, you know, he was spending all that time, you know, his personal time, you know, I mean, he lived and ate this thing and breathed it, you know, for better part of a year and a half, you know, you know, while we were on the road and it was developing and coming together because we were touring at the same time, all of us, you know, and then we had to squeeze in the schedule to get the record done. But he's just um, somebody that really got the band. I felt, you know, he really um, was a fan uh, of the group and felt, that he could make a great record with us. And for us, it was just trusting in his ability uh, and the respect level being so high that we could let go knowing Tessa, we know who we are as a group. So it's easy to let go and say, Hey man, make the record you want to make with the band. You know, it wasn't, you know, so much about even us, even though it was, but it was really about letting go and giving him, you know, full control over, the vision of what this record was going to be. And we did. And, and that's what you have as a byproduct of Bill Collin, for sure. You know, uh, obviously with the argument put in there as well, but I mean, we really let go and let him make the record that he wanted to make. And we felt that there was a lot of good songs, um, that, that had, had come together. And I don't know how much, you know, Phil has done in production work, but this record for us has been, you know, um, I mean, pretty exciting moment, you know, the fact that, you know, and, and the successes it's had. I mean, we've really gotten a lot of good feedback from them. You really have, actually. Uh, talk to me, though, about the the drum sound, because as a, a longtime fan, um, I find that the, the drum sound on this one is different to the other albums. And I, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all, but it is a... Hmm, what's the word for it? Maybe a more modern sounding drum sound? Talk to me about some of the challenges that, that Phil brought to the table and, and saying to you, hey, maybe try a different approach. Or How was it for you recording this? And do you agree with me? Is the drum sound different? Because that's how I perceive it. Uh, let me tell you about how it went down. The band pretty much had worked up a model of the songs. They didn't have lyrics and some of them might have had some melodies and some ideas. And and it was time for me to record drums. It was just Phil, myself, and an engineer. <coughs> and he said to me, Troy, I, um, I want to be able to just, you know, air drum the record. Uh, so basically what he's saying is, let's not get fancy. Just give me, you know, hooky parts and things. So uh, I made sure not to listen to the demos, even if there was a beat programmed. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I never sat down and played and worked on any of the songs until I sat down and recorded it. So we went in on day one and I said the night before, I go, what three songs are we going to do tomorrow? Cause we would do three a day. Uh, he goes, well, these three. So I pull them up and I get in in the morning and I do some charts on them, uh, quick cheat sheets on them. And then uh, I would hammer away for an hour before he got there, just getting some of the grooves together. And then we would walk through it. And and it was pretty painless getting all the songs recorded. It was only like three and a half days and we were done. Um, so that was cool. That went fairly 
easy. Um, as far as when the record got finished and got mixed and hearing, I would think a modern sound is a good way to put it. Um, and, and with the production, I knew things would be different. Ronan, uh, who mixes the band live and did their last record, he mixed our record. So, um, yeah, there was, there was some different things happening, uh, sonically, not quite as rough and raw as you would hear the drums. So they might even sound a little more produced. So yeah, that's, that's fair. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I'm I'm cool with it. I think it was I don't like it. It's really good. It is. It's a it's a great album. So moving forward, uh, and because my next question after this is about moving backwards. But moving forward, do you see yourself working with Phil again, or do you get to a point where Tesla wants to self-produce, or do you look down and say, hey, you know what? Maybe it is time for us to get a Rick Rubin, or you know, a, a producer of that kind of ilk. Well, I, uh, you know, I don't, first of all, I definitely don't see ourselves producing a record. I don't think it's in our best interest knowing the dynamics of the group. I think it's better to have somebody at the helm that we can respect and listen to and take direction from. I don't know that there's another need uh, to do another record, not that we wouldn't do another record, but it's kind of like, well, we've already done this record. It's like, what would be the next step, you know, if we were to do something different? You know, would we step back in? I think if we did go back in with Phil, it would probably be done a little differently. Um, and there might be some growth. Um, and we might be able to hit more uh, on some other areas that we didn't hit on, maybe. But uh it's not that we wouldn't do it um i don't think i think it was very pleasant everybody heard the process uh for the most part um but you know when you bring talk about rick rubin or guys like that you know um i mean anything's possible right of course now now you you just mentioned that or maybe I heard it wrong, that there doesn't really need to have a need to make a another new album. Is that um, just based no, on... I the... didn't, I didn't say, no, I, okay. didn't, I, I didn't say there's not a need to make another new album. I'm saying I don't... I'm not, what I said was, I don't know if there's a need to make another new record with Phil if we're going to do part two. You know what I mean? All right, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. In other words, we already did shock that record. So if we were going to do something a little different, it wasn't going to come out sounding like shock and be a, another Def Leppard record. You know what I'm saying? Like Def Leppard makes records. And does that make sense? Right. Uh, that that makes sense. Okay. That, in any way. No, no, no. That, yeah, that, that I, makes I sense. Just, I think it's just, uh, uh, yeah, just the fact that, well, well, we've been there and done it. You know, do we want to do that again? Uh, well, if we did, then we would probably maybe talk about it and maybe address it differently. I don't know. Gotcha. And and by the way, uh, I have to uh, approve of the fact that you said that uh, you wouldn't self-produce. Uh, and I know folks have heard me say this on my show before. I really don't like when bands self-produce because I really think that you need outside ears sometimes to say, hey – that's not working. That sounds great. You should run with this. And, and I think sometimes when you're too close to the project, you don't have that perspective, right? I mean, it, 
Does that make sense? Well, I, yes, absolutely. And, and Tesla is not a band that uh, at this, we've done some of that over the years. Um, and we've definitely, you know, seen some great sides of being really, really involved for sure. Um, but at this late in the game, um, we definitely don't need to be self-producing ourselves. And um, uh, we, we need, we need a coach in there. You know what I'm saying? We need a referee and a coach. <laughs> <laughs> you you yeah. do. And I agree fully with that. And I think all bands need that. All right. So, so now I mentioned we were going to step back for a second. So let's, let's step back. 2019 has four, four Tesla anniversaries, 30 years of um, uh, the great radio controversy, 25 years of bust the nut, 15 years of Into the Now, and five years of Simplicity. So l let me just quickly go back to the great radio controversy. You do the tour with Def Leppard. Folks love Mechanical Resonance. Modern Day Cowboy is played all over Much Music in Canada, all over MTV. Great heat on the band. How much pressure was on you on that second record? Because had you gone in and done a dud we might not be talking today. So you, you came through with the material, the, the um, uh, production team here, uh, Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero polished it and, and helped it out. Uh, what was that like going into that album? And then also uh, we'll finish after that with 30 years. I mean, uh, looking back on that, but uh, how important was the great radio controversy to your overall career? Well, I mean, it was huge because it had, it was, a, it was a, it, that record, you know, I mean, you know, we had Love Song on there, so that was our first top 10, you know, commercially accepted song for radio that, you know, really opened up some doors for us, which was a song, by the way, nobody wanted on the record. The producers didn't want it, the management didn't want it, and uh, neither did a, our A&R guy, you know. The only people that wanted on the record with the band we we're like no nah. they're like that's nah, three good parts it's three parts of a song it's not even a song that they we say we're like well just it wasn't your formulated you know classic written song that's all but anyway uh the fact that we we never put pressures on ourselves going back thinking about the success of the first record going into the second record we we just we've always been a band just to do what we do uh, there's never been anything pretentious about what we've done over the years. Um, we just write and play uh, from the heart. Those were songs we wrote. We, we we had quite a few songs to choose from. Yeah, the production might have changed a little bit. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, there's some, some good tracks on that record, you know, that, you know, you had Heaven's Trail on there. Um, you know, that, that was a real, I really liked uh, the video for that. I thought that was cool. Um, Yesterday's yeah, Gone. I mean, you got you got to bring Yesterday's Gone back to yeah. the set list. Hopefully, hopefully in Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Quebec. I, <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I would agree with you, man. I'm all, I've, I've always championed that song on. Um, but, uh, you know, and all the other, other anniversaries you mentioned, I really didn't think about those. But, um, yeah, three years later, man, um, it's cool. It's great, man. I mean, it's a trip. I mean, when you think about just the longevity uh, and what's happened and what we've been doing and how things have worked out, 
you know, it is pretty amazing. Uh, it's such a tough business, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing so, when. Yeah, pretty- well, I was just gonna I was gonna take up on that. It, it's amazing because when when you look back at the era. We make a lot of noise about Motley Crue. We make a lot of noise about Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. And, and Tesla sort of, it's almost like you slid through the cracks, but yet you've had a music career. And there has been millions of musicians over the years, but only a very select few have careers. And so it's it's incredible that you've managed to do it, managed to stay almost intact, four-fifths, which is very respectable. It's, it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. now. Let me let me go to the next anniversary because I, I want to do sort of the anniversary roundup here. But um, I'm going to skip Bust a Nut for a second and go into the now. It, it's been 10 years from Bust a Nut. The band had been, well, I guess broken up for the lack of a better word. Um, talk to me about getting into that one and, and looking back on it because I always loved that record. I thought it was absolutely uh, perfect. I, I loved every song on there. I thought the performances were credible. I thought the, the songs were credible. I thought, and maybe credible is not a strong enough word. I just, I loved it. Um, but again, speaking about pressure, what was that like going into there? You, you know, you could have just gotten back together and gone and done some tours and got on, you know, opening up for Def Leppard or whatever, but you made a new record. What was that like, that, that moment of, okay, we're here, we're doing this. We're starting up the machine again. Let's go. Uh, I remember in rehearsal in Pollock Pines, where Frank lived at the time, and we were rehearsing in his warehouse. And I remember, I'll never forget us going in there. And I remember Jeff. He kind of, you know, Jeff is uh, such a unique guy. He really is. Uh, and I can say that um, after being around him as long as I've been with him. And, and, you know, I remember him being emotional, man. He, he just kind of was like, I mean, you got to remember, you know, at that time, you know, music had changed so much. He was like, you know, he was kind of like pretty depressed. Like, man, I, I don't even know if I could do this. I don't, you know, I don't even know if I can try to compete with what they're doing out there today. This, this, and that. And I remember all of us just saying, hey, man, we're just going to do what we do. We'll put a modern twist to it. A uh, little bit, and we were experimenting, as you know. And that record pretty much was self-produced, by the way. Um, but uh, and I love that record, by the way. I think it's a great record. Uh, but yeah, man, it took a it took a little while for us to get our legs. We were going through a lot of stuff and ideas and songs, and you know, uh, that one particular song into the now. I actually brought that to the band. That's my song that I wrote. Uh, not the lyrics, Jeff wrote all the lyrics, but, you know, I wrote the music on that from top to bottom. And I think we added the new chorus or something that Frank wrote, but I had that song completely finished because I wanted to write something heavy, you know, and it was exciting to me that it, uh, because it almost got lost in the shuffle. Everybody was pitching for songs. I remember, and, and I remember showing everybody the idea. And, I, and, and normally we'll just come in, I'll let the band take it, and it'll be a band col- uh, you know, collaboration kind of thing. And it just went over everybody's heads. And I was like, man, this is too good. I'm not going to let this one get, you know. Cause, and the timing was poor when I was showing it to the band, you know, because everybody else had all their songs. They were showing everybody. So, 
it just got lost. So I just I demoed it up myself. And then Tommy got a hold of it and he goes, man, I really like this. And then Jeff started writing lyrics for it. The next thing I know, man, it, it came together. But that whole process was a lot of work, hard work. Uh, and we really worked hard and really well together, you know, on putting that record together. Uh, it was definitely a labor of love, man. And, and, it, and it, we definitely wanted to make a statement, you know, for sure in the modern world, you know. And we did, I felt. I thought we I thought it was just equally balanced with what where we needed to be at that time. What was it for like for you personally going, Hey man, I'm I'm back in the band. We we are a band again. Cause it had been a decade. You know, you can't lose sight of it. It was a decade. It wasn't a year, it was a decade. Um what was it like to to, to be in the studio and go, We're back. This this is Tesla. We are I'm home, right? I mean Tesla's home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's good. I mean, I didn't realize until we, we, you know, what happened, it was we broke up early 96 in October of 2000. Pat Martin, this radio DJ out of uh, Sacramento, uh, and this guy, Curtis Johnson, the program director, they did a, they had called everybody in the band and wanted Tesla to play their one year anniversary show. Uh, it was Rocktoberfest. And, uh, and I, I really hadn't, At that time, they caught me on a day where I was like, I don't think so, because I hadn't even talked to the guys, you know. And then they called me back, go, hey, everybody's agreed to do it. I said, well, absolutely, man. I'd be happy to do it. And we were only going to do the one show. Uh, but I remember sitting there and revisiting the catalog, you know, because we're putting the set together and we're just listing everything. And I remember sitting in the control room. And listening through all the songs going, because I never listened to our music, you know, I just play recorded and split and be done, it's over, you know, kind of thing, because you're playing the show every night, you know. So, um, anyway, but hearing all those songs and the catalog that we had created, it was um, kind of an awakening for me, you know, um, and a new awareness of just like how great the band was. I mean, there was a lot of great songs, you know, and there, and And I was very excited to come back into it. And, um, you know, uh, and it just, it just, after the first show, they wanted to put on a couple weeks of theaters and then those sold out. We just kept adding dates and everything sold out that year, pretty much all theaters. Uh, it was a good reunion. And uh, here we are. Now it's freaking coming on 2020, almost 20 years later. It's crazy. I know, I know. It, it, it's it's incredible in here, and, and I'll finish on this one today, because this one strikes me. 25 years since Bust a Nut. I mean, uh, to me, that's still when I play it or when I when I think about it, it's still to me, you know, the new Tesla album. And it's like, well, it's been 25 years that it's been new there, Mitch. Uh, that one must have must have been somewhat bittersweet because musically you look at shine away and solution and, and 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 mama's fool you've got these great songs there's some blues rock going on there but also it, it was a tough marketplace it was hard to get noticed you were running up against the nirvanas and sound gardens of the world and then eventually it ends up being the last album for 10 years um Talking a little bit about Boston Nut and 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 how do you look back on it 25 years later? Uh, that was a very difficult record to make. Uh, band was not in good shape. Um, Terry Thomas, the producer, God bless him, man. Uh, we put that guy through hell just trying to show up to the studio back in the day. I mean, we would make records with a schedule 
that would start at noon and go till three or four in the morning and then start at noon and, you know, and then people would be three hours late, you know, and this, and there was just, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, drama, just drama. There was, was, no, I mean, I just remember Jeff not being in a good spot and, you know, and uh, I just remember it being a real difficult record pulling teeth, man, to get that thing done. Um, and there are some moments on it for sure. Um, but that's, that's kind of, you know, that's where it takes me back to, you know, we, um, I remember with Terry that, um, you know, I just remember him being super challenged, you know, and keeping it together, you know, and, and making sure that we could get the record done. So then is, is Boston not mostly a, a negative memory for for band members that it just I, are, are you surprised it actually I got think, made I, I think maybe that could be part of it um but i don't know that it was so much negative i just think it, there was just uh, not a lot of respect going on for people's time you know uh and i just remember a lot of dead time in the studio when and lack of productive, I mean, and then you know, it took everything Terry and Jeff had just to get the lyrics written. I remember and finishing up, and it was just, it was just a tough record, man. Um, but there were some, there were some moments on that record. I think you know, that's funny. I hear a lot of people come up to me and go, they'd love that record, you know. Um, and uh, for me, yeah, it's just kind of like I, I kind of forget about that one. I'll be honest with you. But you're right, man. You mentioned Mama's Fool and Mama's you know, Fool's like, great. Wow, yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, try there was so hard, fun. shine away, shine away is brilliant. Yeah. You know, and I'll yeah. I'll give you the the fan perspective on it. Is what I remember the most about Bust a Nut is that there wasn't a lot of competition in the genre around then. So, you know. In 86, 87, there was a new Motley Crue and, and a new Tesla and a new Def Leppard and a new Bon Jovi, you know, new Aerosmith. You always had something new every other month and, you know, you got oversaturated. But in 94, it's like, oh, my God, Tesla put out an album. Yay, one of the bands I like. And so I, I think and, and maybe fans are like me. They might have just held on to it and spun it and gone, well, there's no new Motley Crue. Well, there's no new whatever. Let's just. And I listened to it over and over and over and over and over again. And there's some great stuff on there. It might be time for the band to revisit it and maybe pull out one of the one of the gems from that one and, and, and surprise the folks at a show because it's, it's great. It's, it's a great album. Um, can you believe, though, it's 25 years, though? 25 years. Yeah, that's just... Uh, it blows my mind, man. It really does. And... Uh, I'll, I'll ask you this real quick. Uh, uh, I've been following uh, Tommy on his Facebook. He's been putting out some videos, and he seems to be in a better place. Has the band and him had any conversation? Not about reunions. We're not talking about that. But are, are you back to being sort of you know buddies and friends, or is there still sort of a little bit of a wedge between uh, the two camps? Yeah, there's no... There's, there's definitely no wedge here with me and Tommy. Uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know if Frank has talked to him. I know Brian hasn't, but I know Jeff talks to him. I mean, you know, there's 
nothing, I, I, nothing but love for the guy and wish him well, man. Um, I actually seen him a couple of years back and, uh, and I enjoyed it. You know, we had a nice visit and, um, you know, I didn't really didn't bring it up to the band. This is the first time, you know, it'll get out there, but, uh, you know, at the time I didn't feel the need to do that, you know? Um, but I've just, you know, I've always wished everybody well. And, you know, Tommy was a huge, huge part of the sound of this band, man. I mean, you take the first 10 years and everything that we created of who we are, it's with Tommy, you know, and you can't ignore that, you know, and I wouldn't want to ignore that. And he deserves credit for that. I mean, him and Frank were the dynamic duo. Everybody knew that, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Dave and he does a great job, you know, and you know, he's, he's the replacement for Tommy and, you know, and he's been, uh, hugely accepted, you know, from, from our fans and from all of us in the band and, you know, and he's, been such a dream and a pleasure to work with, you know, but, you know, I, I just believe in being fair, you know, and, you know, so, I mean, I don't really ever, nobody ever asks about Tommy in interviews. So, uh, yeah, man, it's all, it's all good, man. And I'm glad to hear that maybe he's out playing and doing some things. I'm not sure what he's doing. I don't follow him around, so I don't really know what he's up to, but, um, if he's out working and playing good for him, you know, yeah, well, for those who who might not have known, or and maybe on his Facebook, he's been uh, putting up videos of him in the studio recording a new album, and some of the guitar solos he's laying down are just spectacular. So, you know, folks, uh, support Tommy, support Tesla, of course, and uh, do go out and and pick up Shock and and get a ticket to see them with Def Leppard or or wherever. Um, always, always a pleasure, uh, Monsieur Troy. Whoops, I just hit the mute button. Well, thank you, man. <laughs> I hit the mute button by mistake. Uh, but always a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to to the Canadian dates, and uh, as we say here, merci. There you go, man. Yeah. Back at you, my friend, and uh, much love. Appreciate you. Thank you, and uh, we will see you soon, and, uh, you know, just keep going. The The new album, Shock, is, is terrific, and uh, I, I do encourage everybody to pick up the CD version of it or, or a physical product, vinyl or whatever, because you need to hold it and smell it and touch it and read the credits. That's that's what an album experience is supposed to be. And uh, But hey, there you go. Merci, monsieur. Thank you. All right, man. God bless. Thank you. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk. 